2: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
3: This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, Sierra 117. And you're listening to Podcast Unlocked, the world's number one Xbox podcast. Now,
2: finish this fight. Master Chief, out.
0: Welcome back to IGN Summer of Gaming. That was the Xbox Summer Game Showcase. I'm Ryan McCaffrey, host of IGN's weekly Xbox show podcast, Unlocked. If that Starfield Direct, by the way, had you dying to know more, stick around because I got a chance to not only talk to Todd Howard about it, I also got to play an hour of it myself yesterday. So that is coming up in a little bit, along with a closer look at Alan Wake 2. But first... To help me break down some of the other big announcements from this excellent showcase, I am joined right now, once again, by Stella Chung, Destin Legary, and Cat Bailey. Hello, my friends. Uh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Destin.
3: Wow. That Thank was you. great. Yeah, right. I loved it. Uh, over, yeah, we're going to start.
0: Let's you. just start with in, in immediate <laughs> reactions, which Destin has already kindly <laughs> jumped right in on. Uh, s- summing it up with a wow. That's good. Cat. Yeah.
4: I thought it was a strong show. It didn't have enough gameplay, maybe, and the release dates were a little bit hazy, but there are a lot of uh, announcements that really landed. Uh, Clockwork Revolutions uh, was a big one. Fable looked terrific. And I feel pretty good about a lot of the releases that are coming up about Xbox right now.
0: Stella, immediate reaction?
1: It was fine. (laughs) Here's the thing. I'm going to be the bad guy today, and that's fine because I feel like it was good, but again, like Kat said, the gameplay was very weak from what we did see, and I was actually expecting a lot more gameplay and a lot more in-depth looks at gameplay, Um, and I was very disappointed that there weren't, except for Starfield, there weren't any developer breakdowns or interviews or anything in that showcase, so it was good, though. It it was a strong showcase, just not...
0: All right, well, right. our our audience, That's or at least my audience it. my audience on Twitter, which is admittedly a, a lot of Xbox, fellow Xbox fans, super happy with it. As of reading it right now, exactly 7,000 votes in a little poll that I put up, informal poll, obviously. 54% of those 7,000 people gave it an A, another 32% of B, 10% of C, and then 4% D or F. So the, the Xbox crowd on, on my feed quite enjoyed it. Uh, so... I put up a slightly better poll that also got 4,000 people
1: <laughs> voting.
0: Just in case anybody. Was. Earlier in the show, we asked, uh, we put the ask out to you, the viewers, to tweet at us with the hashtag IGN Summer of Gaming to tell us what you're excited about from the show, and uh, let's see what we've got here. Spoilers: Starfield. Well, I need to <laughs> find them here. Yeah, I need to find. Uh, so, all right, we've got. JPEG available said, give me Fable or give me death. Well, you got Fable, so please don't die. Uh, and I actually want to start there as Xbox, as Microsoft themselves started there. I had said, if not publicly, privately to you guys, Fable was the thing out of, other than like surprises, things we don't know, the one existing quantity that I really wanted to see. Cat. Uh, it turns out that the social tweet from the Xbox team <laughs> did not lead us astray to a Fable 2 remaster or, or anything like that. Uh, I'll start with you. That there were some. We were we were audibly like audibly sort of yelling at the Fable teaser in in the best of ways. What was your reaction to this? As we're looking at it again now. I mean,
4: next gen graphics, right? Yeah. I mean, we've been we keep talking about when is next gen going I mean, to actually show up? The animation is phenomenal in this game and it's clear that they're going for that kind of tongue-in-cheek approach to fun. the humor of fable uh yeah. they brought i don't remember his name sorry from the i.t crowd um it's like a, oh i can't say the main narrator <laughs> but uh it looks great it, it really does i want to see the gameplay show me gameplay
1: so this is a play on the narrator and like i'm assuming that's our character oh. player who like found the narratives because they were like, "Oh, this is awkward." I didn't get to play Fables because, again, that was like right before, or right at bef- yeah, right before I could actually get into games. I mean, it's
0: it's been so... a while since anyone played Fables, <laughs> so you're forgiven.
1: Yeah, so I'm just I'm interested because I love those kinds of things where you're face to face with like, "Are you the one who's in charge of giving me all this?" Great.
0: <laughs> well, Destin, this is the, the sort of mic drop, gasp moment was what do I think the, the right? major pivot from the first wow. game. Which is that? Apparently, this is like you are in a you're a miniature person in a miniature world with with like quote unquote full size people. Yeah. So it's a whole there's just a whole other dynamic that we never saw in the original Fable series. But like the gameplay that they showed looks so freaking good. Like I I
3: can't believe how blown away I am by this this game from the moment that Richard and I'm gonna butcher the last name Aoyade. Uh, came on the screen and like I I love his delivery and everything. To seeing what it will look like when you're playing, like walking around in this field, look I can't believe it. It's yeah. stunning. And that was their opener. Like I think it was really smart to bookend with Starfield on the end and this in the opener because this kind of like, is something we've been waiting for for a long time. And as a Fable, Fable, you're a huge Fable. Big, I mean, you got big stoked. time.
0: I mean, this this was, this was stunning to me. I mean, this was. I I don't know if I could have asked for a better proper reveal you know the, the thing we got a couple of years ago was a, a purely a obvious cg cinematic teaser that really succeeded in conveying that playground understood the tone of fable like with, that you were alluding to cat but now this as a as our first look at you know in engine gameplay stuff i mean this is this is incredible i mean this is every i mean it's it's uh the i shouldn't be surprised i don't know why i'm stumbling for words because playground yeah it, their track record is actually impeccable. Like, not that's not hyperbole. That's not exaggeration. Their their last game uh, from the you know this this is a second team. There's the, of course the Forza Horizon team. This is the second team that's been built at Playground, but their last game was a 10 out of 10 video game that won IGN's Game of the Year yeah. in 2021. And it looks like they're they're hungry for another trophy. When you look at this, Kat, you wanted to see them branch out. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty. pretty
4: here's nice. my question. Uh, so the original Fable was known for pitching itself as sort of an everything game where you were growing old in this world and you were living in this fantastical world. I remember how excited people were when it came out on the original Xbox. Will this game capture that feel, uh, the dynamic feeling of living in a fantasy world? When I mean, you think about Fable 3, it had something to say. Is this just going to be a lot of humor, a lot of leaning into the fantasy aspect of it, or is it going to dig much deeper into the world?
0: And the morality, too. The yeah, morality, the morality is a big, big part of it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we've come a long way from sort of the initial promises of Peter Molyneux uh, mm. of, of planting the acorn seed and a tree would sprout. It's time in, now, Playground game. It's time. And so, yeah, I mean, what this also did was it established very definitively that Playground has its own take on Fable. They are not simply trying to remake the original game in a in a you know from the ground up on a modern console this is this is its own fable its own game uh, and and this is I, I just now i'm i have so many more questions after uh-huh. seeing this but in a good way uh, I, I can't wait to see more i i would say if there's one thing that i do hope comes over from the old fable games it's the ability to have a, a dog with you the whole time. That, yeah. this, it was the best part of Fable 2, and Fable 2 is the best part, the best one in the series. Mm. So, yeah, and I hope they allow you to fart as often as you want, because
3: that what? was one thing I really liked about oh the original. G- uh, you know, or burp, or the, whatever the, you there's, some, there's still a D-pad,
0: so there's still you know, some... some <laughs> Don't let us down, to, Playground. ...to bind oh some, some activities to the D-pad that, uh, that may be of interest to you. That's so funny. Um, Yes, Dave. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so... Uh, no date on this, which is not a surprise, right? We don't know when this is coming, but... I, Kat, as, as our news director, would you say that it's fair to not assume, but presume that if, it, in, in the context of this showcase, if it didn't say 2024 specifically, or 2023, as we'll talk about the 2023 games, that it's probably 2025 and beyond, Right. I think it's
4: almost certainly going to be early to late 2025 and we're just getting a nice look at it now. Uh, It seems as if Playground Games is making good progress on this one, but games take so long to make now and they're not giving it a window, so not anytime soon, I don't think.
0: Interesting that the show was bookended by two of the biggest role-playing games. Oh, by the way, of many role-playing games.
4: What's the best genre? What can I say?
0: (laughs) Xbox clearly agrees with you. Microsoft agrees with you. We open with Fable. We close with 45 minutes of Starfield. I uh, I love that they With Clockwork Revolution in between there, uh, Avowed.
4: They bought so many RPG studios. You're going to get RPGs (laughs) from the RPG studios.
0: Yeah. Uh, So I think let's... Are we moving to our next game? Because we've got so much to talk about here. Uh, let's go to Star Wars. So I really, I, I tweeted this. The first, the first three games of the showcase, it was just a, a, a one punch after the next. It was a, it was a th- series of three uppercuts that all landed, and one of those games was Star Wars Outlaws. Mm. Uh, Kat, you are nodding along with a big smile on your face. So this is massive. The, the developer who's, who's done the Division games at Ubisoft all we had previously known about this was that massive was making an open world single player star wars game and now we have a little bit better idea of it your thoughts
4: big shadows of the empire Vice takes place between empire strikes back and return of the jedi you're playing as a smuggler there were a lot of rumors about it being more mandalorian focused but i'm really glad that they're going in this direction because it Believe it or not, I don't feel like smugglers have been explored a ton in the Disney world. We're going more, they've always tended to go more in the Jedi or the Mandalorian direction. So this feels really refreshing to me. Um, I have some doubts. Well, I want to see the gameplay again, but that's gonna be shown tomorrow. Mm
0: -hmm. Yes, 24 hours from now.
4: But at first glance, I was like, okay, yes, I'm in open world Star Wars smuggling game, presumably with space combat. Um, Ubisoft has uh, some problems with, shall we say, execution, but uh, at first blush, I'm in on the concept.
0: So uh, let me just give you a, a quick... You mentioned the setting that it takes place between The Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. Uh, so our our hero here is Kay Vess, and she, like, like Cal Kestis, is joined by a... An adorable companion. Gotta have the adorable companion. I'm surprised it's not a droid. N-I-X. Nix is the name uh, of of the companion here. Seeking the means to start a new life, players will join Kay and Nix as they fight, steal, and outwit their way through the galaxy's crime syndicates and join the galaxy's most wanted. Stella, (laughs) your thoughts on this uh, clearly very large-seeming Star Wars game.
1: Sorry, I was just groaning at the Rancor cuz I'm currently stuck on one in a yeah. Jedi Survivor. It's, yeah. <laughs>
0: so, he's um... probably the toughest thing I faced <laughs> during the course of that game.
1: Yeah, I am I am very excited. I think it looks great. Obviously, cinematics. It's it's a good trailer and I want to know what gameplay is like because if it's going to play like Watch Dogs, I'm not going to play it. That's fair. But it looks really promising and we've been in like another golden age of Star Wars, right? And it's really cool. Also, the name kicks ass, so yes. I'm really hoping that the game is also kick ass, and the concept is really good because I feel like it's really nice right. to, I was just complaining about this, um, I'm really tired of MMOs and games where it's like, oh, you're the special person, you're the chosen one, I'm like, no, let me just be some person, let me back up someone else's story, and this is kind of nice that yeah. it is that refreshing take, and you're like, cool, we're just like the citizen, because who doesn't want to live in the Star Wars universe, right? You want to experience there, it. And, so you yeah. think
0: maybe there's no main character syndrome going on in this game? We all think we're our own
1: main <laughs> characters, right? But but yeah, no, it's no like, oh, you're the chosen one, you're this person, right? And you're just like, oh, okay, that's nice. Like, yeah, we're, we're doing sketchy sketchy stuff with uh, smuggling things in, and we have this cute space axolotl, and yeah.
0: Destin, what do you need to see from the gameplay reveal of this at the Ubisoft Forward tomorrow to back up the uh, the cinematic trailer we got
3: here? So I am curious if some of the stuff we saw was gameplay. Like that Rancor scene looks like it might be a gameplay moment. Playing out a little bit, but I, I just want to see how it plays. Now, I played a lot of Division 2, which was also yeah, by Massive, Same studio, yeah. Yeah, and I really liked it. This is definitely like, if any of this is in engine, then graphically, it's a huge leap for them. Uh, I'm really curious how it works. Is it more like Division, where you're going to be chasing exotic drop, loot drops and things like that to level up your character in a way where you can take on harder combat challenges, or is it more linear? Like is it is it open-ended where you can do lots of side missions? I'm very I need to know more about what the gameplay loop is gonna look like. It looks like they got the, the visuals down for the story, but now I need to know what will I be doing for most of my time. Yeah,
0: this. Uh,
5: Get off my shit, I mean, it, seemingly
0: it won't give me a have a similar gameplay structure to the division because it's a single-player game. Yeah, you know, there's not you know you don't have small groups of players that that are, you know, moving through the world together and possibly encountering other players but, but in the Dark there, Zone is kind there of thing. loot? Do you, it, right. Like, what is that progression system like, or what is the loop
1: like? Yeah. That's why I talked about Watch Dogs, because that was the first, like, you know, first-party game that I thought, like, the world and open yep. world-ish. That's why I was like, if it's like that, I do not want to play this game.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's there's a lot of the sort of classic Ubisoft tropes that a lot of players are a little tired of in, in the Watch Dogs, so I, I see where you'd come from that, or come, come from on that. Alright, so there's, uh, next we've got a, about like a minute and a half here. Uh, there's, And by the way, we're with you for an over an hour and a half. So we, we usually with these things, we're like so rushed that we have like a whole other show we could have done. We have time for that today, so I am thrilled. Let's talk for the next minute or so about Avowed. Uh, I'm seeing a, 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 sort of divisive reactions to this online, largely centered around the graphics destined the the sentiment online which i think is fair is that the cinematic the cg trailer we got two three years ago that was you know there was first person stuff in that that you know yeah it was cinematic but but that that does not match the actual gameplay that we're seeing today at all. I'm going to need more than 30 seconds. uh, Well, that's what you've
3: got. The departure from that art style that we were showing in the original trailer was jarring at first, but that doesn't mean it's going to be a bad game or anything. It was just a little unexpected from what we had been set up to see. Uh, I'm still really interested in what they're going to do with the franchise, and rewatching it a second time, it... It looks fun. Like, it probably still has all the classes. They mentioned the world from the Pillars universe, so it still has all the beats and all of the intrigue of dealing with those different deities has, but the art style was different than I think some
0: people were expecting. Some people are super into it, yeah. Well, we're going to talk more about Avowed, and then I want to get to Clockwork Revolution, which, Destin, it wasn't a a Fallout 1 remake, but it's something very cool unto itself. Uh, We're going to take a quick break, but we have so much more to talk about, including, again, one of the biggest games that Xbox has ever had, Starfield, along with a conversation with the legendary Todd Howard of Bethesda. That and so much more in IGN Summer of Gaming coverage of the Xbox Showcase after this, so stick around. Welcome back to IGN's Summer of Gaming Showcase. It's time to talk Starfield, the massively ambitious open-world single-player game from Bethesda. I got to sit down with Starfield's director, Todd Howard, to try, try and pry as much as I could out of him uh, after I got a chance to play the game for myself, which I'll talk more about in a bit. So here's the first clip. Full interview is gonna air a little later today on IGN. Take a look at this. Uh, this is the first new IP you've done in a couple of decades now. It's been a little while. So totally new thing. It's the biggest exclusive for Microsoft. In a long time,
6: these are guided uh, upwards to just these boundless,
0: the vast buildings. It's the biggest system. city we've so, ever made. Pressure? <laughs> do you, in all seriousness, like, do you kind of feel any extra pressure compared to any of the other games you've made, or you just kind of, you kind of focus on what you do? I'm just sort of curious if, if the stuff that like we talk about in the gaming community is something that goes through your head or gets talked about in the office at all.
5: Well, clearly. You know, I'm I'm aware of that. You know everything you said, um, and compared to our previous games, there's always a lot of attention on on what we do. We're we're very fortunate, and but for us, it, it's we have put so much into this game, and it is as you said, you know, our first new IP in over 25 years. It's our first major release in about eight years. Yeah. So for us, we have just put so much into it um, that. We're just doing everything we can to make the best game that we can. Hope that everybody loves it. So um, we feel we're on, we're on the right track. Um, and we're, we're really fortunate, I think, with some of those things you said, t- to get the attention. Yeah. Um, and that there are, we know there's a lot of people out there looking forward to it. And we just view our jobs as, you know, hey, just do the best job we can do. Put everything we can into the game. And I uh, hope everyone loves it.
6: And uh, that's a
0: little little taste of Todd Howard, we've got some more coming up, uh, but first, I mean, it was an extraordinarily unique privilege to get to play this game yesterday, so I thought I would let you guys ask me some questions about it. Now, I will preface this, an hour, I, which I think probably came across in the direct, an hour is nothing, like almost actually nothing in this game. Not to, not to look the gift horse in the mouth of getting to play it for an hour, But yeah, it was not a lot of time to really dig in. I I played from the beginning, and then we fast-forwarded to an— we loaded up another save file, and kind of jumped along a couple times, but still really, really early. So I'll go to you guys first to let you ask me some stuff, and then we've got some community questions teed up as well. So, uh, Destin, go to you first. Was it good? (laughs) Yeah, no, what I I will honestly say is it— I don't know about you guys, but— what I got from the Direct, which I also had a ch- I had a chance to watch the Direct before playing it, uh, and talking to Todd so that I could prep better questions for Todd. And what I got from the Direct was that this game is like, absolutely, like the, the scale and scope of it's insane. And from what little I got to play it for myself, that absolutely comes across. Like, the, I think people are going to be playing this game for actual years. Yeah. Like no joke.
1: So I maybe you don't know the answer to this but what PC do you know what the build of the PC was that you were playing on? So
0: I played on an Xbox Series oh, X. Yeah, I played on console which they wanted me to see. well and I've got more from Todd about okay, cool. the console side of it coming up. Yeah. Cat How far in was the actual demo? Like were you starting at the very beginning? Started from the beginning. Oh. Like pressing start, opening title and then um, I mean, I don't want to necessarily ruin the opening it, of it for people. But I bet you get a watch. I did get a watch. <laughs> Not a real-life watch, yeah. but, yeah, uh, you do get the, the watch. You get introduced. Yeah, I mean, the... What was the character you created? I, I purposely didn't spend a lot of time in the okay. character creator because I was like, I knew I only had an hour. I'm like, I can't, and I'm also never going to see this character ever again. <laughs> so I ended up just kind of choosing uh, a preset, and then... But I did linger in the... With the, choosing your your background and your traits, and there are there are actually so many that I, I don't even remember what I chose. But there's there's a lot of neat background choices. Now you heard him say in the direct, you can you can like change them later. There are ways that you can go about changing them. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm really sort of curious how the those background characteristics are going to come into play like they gave you a little taste of that in the direct of like you might get a line of dialogue somewhere or what have you but um but yeah there's you could spend a lot of time in the very beginning of the game with the character creator and choosing your background and whatnot did you get to experience a story mission start to finish sorry Destin, one more time did you get to experience a story mission like start to finish no i was just jumping around okay so yeah that that unfortunately was not the case let me go now let me do get the the IGN community involved in here. Um,
1: the biggest one is if there's going to be co-op or multiplayer, which I think... oh no, I mean this yeah. is
0: a you know this is just like Todd Howard Bethesda's other games. This is a single-player game that's that's probably going to live on for <laughs> as long as Skyrim has. I mean, based on the amount of content. Um, so let's see. Risk Levo asks, can you talk about your take on the thousand planets to explore? I actually kind of see why they went with a thousand planets approach but i want to know how you feel and think about it um so i did a little ship combat uh i did a couple a little little bit of planet scanning uh and then i i was in the new atlantis like the main city which i'll talk more about that uh but the yeah the thousand planet thing i asked todd so it's like how many of them are handcrafted versus procedurally generated And he said, most everything, again, you'll see this in the full interview, but he said, most everything is procedurally generated, but there's like the quests and other things are handcrafted on top of that stuff. So that's, that I found like, okay, that makes sense as a, as how they would handle that. Um, AJ asks, I just want to know if you can explore other worlds like a sci-fi Raylan Givens, or do you have to be an astronaut all the time? And no, you, you can, I actually think I was telling, I was saying this to Todd after I finished playing for the hour. I think there are going to be people that never complete the main story. Mm-hmm. Like just, they'll just go, they'll get entertained, like going off and living because you can crew your ship. Yeah. You could like, there's so many other things you can do that aren't the main story in the game that I, I think there are going to be plenty of people that are going to be like, yeah, I've played... Three hundred hours, and I haven't finished the campaign. Yeah. I, I feel like I might just live in space, boarding other ships <laughs> yeah. that I see yeah. along the way. Like, Either, that yeah, because yeah, so like, you can hail them, or you can just you can board. Like, I I did a, I docked with a like a big like freighter ship, and they and and they said, well, can I, or can I just like go on and shoot everyone? I'm like, oh yeah, absolutely. So went climbed up okay. into the ship, and uh, it was actually a really neat little scenario where on this ship the. The gravity uh, well, whatever, the, the gravity generator was uh, on the fritz. So you'd, you'd be walking along, and then it would, the, like, the lights would flicker, and the gravity would go off, and then you'd start floating. Oh. And so then you would kind of floating around, uh, and, and, you know, like you saw in the direct, if you have, mm-hmm. like, a shotgun, you'll get blasted back. <laughs> and funny. then the gravity will come back on, and you drop back to the floor. And so that, that allowed for some fun physics moments where I happen to have a shotgun. And so you just blast the guys and they go like they Star go, Trek
4: Six where they're floating through. Yeah. And Klingons.
0: yeah, so uh so that was really cool. Um let's see here. I'll I'll let our our social team oh there's actually yeah there's we'll get some more comments in here. We've got another minute say, and a half.
1: Miranda's in chat and she actually asked, asked a question that I want to know. She said did you get any cool dialogue options?
0: Yes. Yeah there are definitely in fact I think one of the other tweets I saw before we came on the air was... Uh, like, you know, smoochie dialogue About Pacifist. <laughs> okay. People were asking about, <laughs> about pacifist options. So what I can say is, when you first... There's a moment early on where you you first get a weapon. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you don't have to pick it up. Because you, you, you get attacked. And it's minor, minor spoilers, I guess. Shocking there's combat in this game, but... No. Um, yeah, you have a choice. You, so you don't have to... Pick up the gun if you don't want to, and they're. I mean, I don't know how far you'll be able to get with, with just like sweet talking people through the the conversation yes. options, but yes. it's definitely there. Yeah, can, it's absolutely there. Can you romance them? <laughs> well, we. I didn't see that, but we saw that. Okay. That was yeah, that you was mentioned yeah. in yeah. the direct. Yeah. So yeah, I yeah, know. I'm gonna try and romance as many people as <laughs> oh I can. Oh my god! Can. Sure. I mean, well, Matt Destin's our resident Mass Effect super yeah. fan, so that's that was a, <laughs> Gotta get all a memorable enemies. component, yeah, of of Mass Effect.
1: See, for me, I'm so excited that we can just punch the whole way through basically. Like oh, yeah. because you can level like that's how I played Fallout, right? Yeah. Max charisma, max strength, so I can't yeah. if I can't convince them, I can punch them.
0: <laughs> yeah, I did. At one point, I ran out of ammo, but I had an axe on me and it was very satisfying to just run <laughs> up to the bad guys and beat them with the axe. All right. Enough from me. You want to hear from Todd Howard. Let's take another look uh, at a clip of my conversation with Todd Howard. This one about the game on the Xbox Series X. You guys have always done post-release content. You know, okay. if you've had like major paid bigger expansions, you've had smaller scale stuff. I I can't imagine that You'd, you'd even want to necessarily expand this game geographically <laughs> moving forward because there's already a ton there. So like, I know you're not here to just give away your your announce your post-release plan, but like, conceptually, how are you thinking about it given the that this is like a a giant universe rather than just a continent like in, like in Cyrodiil in, in an Elder Scrolls game.
5: Right, it's a great question. I mean, look, we're going to be doing um, a lot of add-on content for Starfield. We love doing it. Um, our fans love it. We will have announced sort of the first one that's going um, to... We're going to do a story expansion pack um, that's going to be coming. We're, we, our plan is to do things of varying sizes, mm-hmm. um, and, and we've done a lot of that in our previous games. So it's something that, that we really like doing, our fans like. And So despite the size of the game, there's still things we want to add as far as features in the future and stories and things like that. So um, we, we think this is going to gain, hopefully, it's going to continue for a long time that way. All
0: right, that was the other one I was going to play for you in a little while. But that's all right. We were going to hear it anyway. So that was Todd talking about the post-release content plans. So you saw, you saw it on the that sort of end card, that end slate of the Direct was like... The first story expansion, so they've got plans. I, you know, I don't know. I can't imagine they're going to add geography to this game, like Shivering Isles with Oblivion, or or uh, or things like that. But you, you know there's... Think they
4: could add more planets? Uh, do something like Far <laughs> Harbor.
0: <laughs> you know, go a thousand and ten planets.
4: I mean, just like they do, really good <laughs> self-contained storylines. Uh, yeah, their expansions tend to be. Pretty varied, right? I mean, if you look back at Fallout 4, there were the additional items, but then you also had things like Nuka, the Nuka World. Yes. Um, they added whole new mechanics. So I would expect a pretty robust offering from uh, from Starfield in terms of expansions.
0: Yeah, I, I think you know, for to head off what are probably a lot of comments that I can't see right now, I, I'll give my sort of overall impression of this, and then let you guys keep firing away questions, and we'll go back to more community ones, but. I think my, like, Twitter-friendly summary of, at least, again, just scratching the surface of the surface in an hour. To me, this feels like No Man's Sky with an entire full Bethesda role-playing game built on top of it. Which, or, you know, I guess another way you could phrase it would be, no man's sky 2 in the sense of if if there were to be a full sequel to no man's sky well what would you want you'd probably want a full story quests characters and that to me is is what's going on in this game it is it's got all the exploration of of no man's sky it's got the mining laser that you zap at rocks to mine resources and and other stuff but there is the entire you know fallout 4 like skyrim-like Game built on top of it with a ton of different characters. I did get to play a little bit of the the main story. They asked me not to, you know, give away anything. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to do that. But I met some of the people from Constellation, which is that sort of that that's the group of people you're going to be working with. I won't tell you why necessarily, but it becomes obvious in the first you know 30 minutes or so of the game. But to me, I, I think most people would find. Cat, you were you were giving it a, a sort of Gesture of approval there at the notion that this—that that I think it's—it feels like No Man's Sky with a with a Bethesda RPG built on top of it. And I love No
4: Man's Sky and I love the concept behind it because uh, it feels so vast and like spaceships. Come on, but it feels this is a passion project by Todd Howard. The guy's been talking about this since 1997, and it's clear that they're putting a lot of effort into it. I mean, we think about. What do we want out of a video game? So many people want the holodeck game, the everything video game, and it feels like they're really kind of going for that. The Starfield, you said, I don't think there's gonna be a lot of people who don't finish the story, you just go live in this universe. That's a big Bethesda trait. I never yeah. finished Skyrim. Really? I, no, I moved into the
1: Imperial capital, bought a house, <laughs> nice. married
4: my werewolf girlfriend, <laughs> yeah. had a great
1: time. Yeah, yeah, nice. That was my end game. So I don't know if you can speak to this, but a lot of people in the chat are asking if there's performance mode because you played on the Xbox. And if you can't say it, that's okay. But
0: yeah, we'll have we'll t- we'll cue Todd up to talk. Uh, Dan Parker we we'll have it ready for him. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Destin.
1: wow, yeah, that's, how that's just like one of the most burning questions that I do see in chat. So
0: yeah, very um, excited
1: that you got to talk to Todd about it.
0: Yeah, he was he was very gracious with his time for sure. Um, I think we're a few minutes away. Let me see if let me see if we have more community questions. They were they were
3: curious if you can interact with like aliens or any sort of alien type species like there's the Khajiit in the ESO
0: universe. That's true. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. You know, it's funny actually. Now that you make me think about it, I don't think I saw any non humans. I don't know. That's not to say that there aren't necessarily, but from the again mostly beginning of the game part that I saw, I did not see any any uh, NPCs that were not human. Now, I mean, you saw in the direct there. One of the reasons that, that I mention No Man's Sky is because we saw those sort of fantastical like alien dinosaur looking things and like the kind of creatures the kind of wildlife that we that we have seen in No Man's Sky but yeah I'm not sure if the, if they have non-human races that'll be sort of a, a, a core part of the game or not. But you can punch the dinosaur aliens. So that's... <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's confirmed. I didn't actually do that but we you know we saw that. Oh in I'm direct. <laughs> you're 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 Pump an iron to get yeah. ready. <laughs> yeah. Wait.
1: I'm, so, can you have mounts in the game? Do you know that? I I, I know you only got an hour. That yeah. Not Didn't enough see time. that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That would be a really cool option, though.
3: Uh, what was the favorite thing about your your demo experience?
0: Honestly, it was that it it when I first saw the game a while ago, I was worried that the the space combat was gonna be like kind of like. Uh, the planet scanning in Mass Effect Two yeah. for resources, where it's like amusing for the first few times, and then it just you just kind of get sick of it and don't want to do it anymore. But like, no, it's it. I, I feel like my sense of it is all the pieces that they've shown are fully fleshed out. That they're not like little like mini games or things that you're gonna tire of quickly. Like I know Kat, you were saying that you're super pumped to do the ship building and the ship modding, like and you can fly around uh, just engaging in ship combat, you can engage in diplomacy by hailing people and trading with them, or you can be a pirate and go board them and take them out and raid their ship.
4: I can't wait to be a reaver from Firefly flying around with a bucket (laughs) in my head and boarding ships and stealing them. It'll be great.
3: Uh, I got Star Trek The Next Generation vibes from all the space stuff. Like, there's a lot of stories that you can end up stumbling upon by boarding those other ships. It looks like there's friendly people in space, you know? And then you get to, like, go down to these planets and have these story beats. Uh, I I think overall, the Starfield showcase, just from my takeaway from it, it was so much better than the, the previous one because it really showed that Bethesda DNA and what your experience will sort of be like when you're ex- doing all these different things. And you can kind of play it however you want. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: I think for me, the Starfield show... Well, okay, I, we're still gonna do more deep dives into Starfield, right? I we should. got
0: plenty of time, don't okay. worry about that. All
1: right, great, cool. Cause I can go more into depth on why, depth on why the first part didn't really hit with me, but it was this part where in space where you can board the ships, you can bring them around and once you conquer them, you know, it's yours. It didn't really quite hit me that I wanted to play this game until then. So, which we can obviously go into more detail about, but um, yeah, I don't know.
3: I hear you on that. Not everything's for everybody, you know? Like, I don't like the building of the outpost aspect. Like, I didn't like that in Fallout 4. So I imagine I may not do that that much in this one, but I love the idea of making a dumb mech ship that flies all weird. (laughs) Like, I was like, oh yeah, that's totally me. So like, I, I like that it has something for sort of every player.
1: Yeah, maybe you can make the docking port, like, the hand on your yeah. neck. Just reach out and grab a ship. That'd be cool.
0: I will say quickly, in the last, like, 20 seconds before we go to our next break, the new Atlantis was probably the highlight of it for me, which was one of the things I was looking most forward to from when they've teased it before. It it definitely had, like, a Mass Effect meets Oblivion vibe. Like, the Imperial City in Oblivion, the main capital city, where it's there are tons of npcs around you can talk to all of them Mm -hmm. um some of them are just like i don't have anything to say but you can talk to all of them and there's multiple districts you get around by like a subway type system like that that to me it seems like they're the focus on the the major cities again you like i think i might spend dozens of hours just in those so yeah it's uh we there's so much more to talk about and we will talk more about starfield and it's huge and kind of scary universe in a bit. Speaking of scary universes, we got to sit down with the team behind the latest game in the Remedyverse, Alan Wake 2. We'll be taking a look at that in a little bit and continuing our Xbox Showcase discussion, but first, a quick break summer of gaming. We'll be right back. This week's Podcast Unlocked is brought to you by NordVPN. Hey, if you're watching a lot of sports like me and you hate blackouts, NordVPN is a great way to go. You can use NordVPN, a virtual private network, to watch live sporting events, TV shows, films that aren't available in your region by switching your virtual location to a country that is No buffering or lagging while you're streaming, and it will stop your ISP bandwidth throttling. NordVPN is the price of a cup of coffee a month, so that is a super affordable, great way to go. To get the best discount off of your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash unlocked, without the E, that's n o vpncom slash u-n-l-o-c-k-d, And that'll give you four extra months on the two-year plan. And best of all, there's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. NordVPN.com slash unlocked without the E.
6: Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics, from personal stories to hot-button issues. We cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday. So make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.
0: All right, let's go over a few of the other games shown off today at the Xbox Showcase, starting with one we'd started to talk about a little while ago. And let's continue that conversation because this is one of the biggest games. In the Xbox Game Studios portfolio, that is avowed. Destin, you had started. Uh, we kind of cut you off there, having to go to break. <laughs> but let's come back. So let's let's talk about. Like we're, we've got the trailer playing now. Uh, it's interesting. I think all of us. We're all sitting here together watching this. At first, we're all like, "Is this Assassin's Creed?" And I think somebody said, "Wait, is this the, is this Sea of Thieves?" And then it's avowed. So. Um, Art style-wise, it's got a little bit more of a kind of colorful, fantastical style, I think, than that initial, you know, we were talking about the kind of the contrast between the initial CG reveal trailer from a few years ago to to this, and that first one had kind of a darker tone, right? Yeah, Yeah,
3: darker, more Elder Scrolls Skyrim tone, yeah. in my opinion. So I was very thrown off when I saw this, just because it wasn't what I was expecting, but... That's not necessarily a bad thing. At the end of the day, it's going to be what is the storytelling like? Is yeah. the gameplay solid? You know, what are the different class builds like? And like the magic looks really, really cool. So they have all the pillars, things like from the Pillars of Eternity universe that will intrigue players. Uh, now the question is do they execute on all the facets of that game and that franchise and why it's so popular?
0: Cat, you host a role-playing game podcast. You're a big RPG gamer. This definitely, so to me, obviously, it's not the same thing. But this, to me, feels like it might scratch my Elder Scrolls itch. You know, medieval fantasy, uh, first-person RPG itch. While we do wait for Elder Scrolls Six, was uh, was that your take from this at all? No, no. <laughs>
4: Actually, Avowed was my letdown of the show. Okay. Um, didn't care for the art style and uh i read the uh, there was a big interview that went up on pc gamer not too long after that and it was interesting to kind of read between the lines because obsidian said that they initially kind of pitched it as skyrim size as you could say in elder yeah. scrolls like but actually it's probably going to be much more on the scope of outer world okay yeah so medieval outer worlds if that's your speed um Outer Worlds as a game was kind of like a it was much. it was good. <laughs> it was not an all-time classic. It Had solid solid writing, but yeah. uh, it did feel very small and very contained. So I'm hoping that Avowed is able to dig deeper and give us something a little
0: bit more. But
4: at first, Blush uh, was not. It did not hit. It did not
0: really hit for me. I don't think. Stella is is a smaller scale uh, a negative for you with this, or or are you totally because you, you were hoping to see more of Outer Worlds too.
1: Yeah, and I feel like I got that, but in medieval fantasy. Because if you look at some of the backgrounds here, it does kind of look like the world from Outer Worlds. But it's interesting. So, yeah, like Dustin said, obviously what we were given with the cinematic trailer is very different, and which is why some people are disappointed, me included, with seeing the gameplay. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that this game is going to be bad. But upon looking at the gameplay again, it's not something that I am necessarily interested in. And I feel like if I were to invest myself in a time like this, I would just play Skyrim. You know, there's so many mods, so many, so much community support on that that you can make it look however you want. And this just doesn't hit with me. And I okay. usually don't like Skyrim-like games or you know, high fantasy games unless it's like uh, Inquisition stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so for me, while the scaling being smaller is great because I get very distracted with open world games, this is not hitting for me. And I, yeah, I, I would just go play Skyrim. Uh, well, I, I will defend it
4: and say that Obsidian typically has had way better writing than the type that you would find in Skyrim. Like Skyrim That's is fair. huge, yeah, big, big game, but the, the actual writing is not that great. Uh, they focus on scope. So if this is a much more self-contained world and it's set in the Pillars of Eternity universe, which is a wonderful universe, very well formed, Mm -hmm. then in that sense, I think that it could offer something very different from Skyrim that people might really like.
1: Right, I think I was thinking of just gameplay, just Mm. looking at that at face value. Obviously story is like a really big reason. I've played some turn-based games that have really good stories, and I don't like turn-based games. So if this is good, I will definitely play it. But at first glance, with the gameplay, if it's just like an open-world exploration game, I would go to Skyrim for that. So,
0: for me, I, I, I'm actually totally good with it being a smaller, you know, smaller than Skyrim and more focused game. Because again, like you said, Kat, uh, Obsidian's entire history suggests that the writing is going to be really strong on this. So we're, there's going to be some really engaging, like, character conversations, uh, character moments. So yeah, if if the they nail the the sort of feel of the combat. Uh, which, I mean, hey, first-person spellcasting seems to be in right now, first-person spellcasting, which which I'm all for. Uh, yeah, I I think this could be definitely something that, that I play quite a bit of. Um, I don't need everything to be a 80, 100-hour game. If it's, if it's 30, 40 quality hours, I'll be more than satisfied with Avowed. Now, uh, another first-party exclusive role-playing game is coming from exile. Brian Fargo and the team. Uh, they most recently did Wasteland 3. And they we they had announced that they were hiring for and they were working on two Unreal Engine 5 role-playing games. Destin, We yeah. have now seen one of them. Was not is, Fallout. <laughs> it, it's not a Fallout 1 remake. I maintain that you're you've that, that should be probably be a thing. That would be great. But uh Clockwork Revolution looked great yeah. as a totally new thing, and I got to get everybody's reactions to this. We have plenty of time to talk about this and then a few more games. Uh, th- this, to me, is one of the highlights of, of the show. I mean, it's, you've got steampunk, you've got some time manipulation elements, you've got... I mean, th- this is, I think, probably fair to say it's going to be Exile's biggest scope, highest budget game by possibly an order of magnitude. So Destin, as somebody that was hoping to see something from Exile today, you got it. What'd you think of this? I'm very happy. Like, I love it that they're
3: able to sort of do something different. And on this scope, it's one of their first projects that are going to be this big. I think there's a lot of eyes on it. A lot of people are curious what they can do. To me, um, aesthetically, steampunk for sure. I think I saw some people saying Bioshock, you know, because of the, the rail system and such. But The time manipulation thing is really, really unique, and I'm very curious how that's going to play into the gameplay loop. I love weapons in video games, and like what we're seeing on the screen right now and what we saw for the trailer, very intrigued about what you're going to be able to acquire and what the most powerful things are going to be. It's cool, I I love this, and I can't wait to dive in. Stella?
1: I really liked it so Bioshock Infinite was I played the previous Bioshock games but something about Infinite just really stuck with me I think because of the steampunk universe it being up in the clouds which this definitely has that vibe and I think a lot of people are like oh my god is this the new Bioshock but seeing that and then having the time manipulation is really cool I've been playing a lot of Zelda so for me I'm just like yes give me more weird mechanics like this where it gives the player like unique creative solutions to puzzles to getting through the world and it's really cool I I don't know I love this sort of setting and it's so cool and steampunk has been something that i don't think we've seen too much of it kind of came and went a couple of years ago and i'm so glad it's here because it looks really good everything's shiny but then when you turn back time and you know you mess around with the game it looks like things get a little bit darker and darker and i'm so intrigued about what the story's going to be
0: uh cat again we got this they were tongue-in-cheek about the release window on this saying it'll be ready in due time So, again, probably 2025 and beyond here. Like 2026, maybe.
4: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's hard to say, honestly. In Exile, this it feels like a little bit of an upset to me because I figured that Obsidian would be the studio that would be taking the enhanced resources given to it and would be going bigger, going more ambitious. Right. But in Exile, the, the studio behind Torment, Tides of Numenera, Wasteland 3, they're the ones who are seemingly going big. And I'm curious to see what happens, because in Exile games, um, they are often very mechanically ambitious, and you're definitely seeing that with the time-traveling mechanics. Yeah. And I love it. I love the art. I love the look. I love the vibe. Um, I'm instantly I'm instantly interested in this game.
0: Uh, let's move to the next game, another one that a lot of folks were hoping slash maybe even expecting to see today, and we got it. Hellblade Two, no release date, yeah. but we know we know it's not this year. It's going to be sometime in 2024. Uh, Stella, let me go right back to you here because <laughs> this uh, we certainly saw the, the the super strong Unreal Engine Five powered visuals at work yes. in this trailer.
1: Yeah, I mean. Yeah, they chose a very good moment to kind of go in, because it kind of shows you that, yes, we are still focusing on everything that was in the first game, which you and I discussed, we still have to play, but we have to be in the right mindset for it, because if you remember, this was the game where they brought on actual psychologists who decided to try and put the feeling of what it feels like to go through psychosis into a video game. And they did it so well. So I'm very excited to see more about this game. And again, I have to play the first one, but... A question. I... I wish we had gotten more, like more action, a little bit, like a, a faster scene because this one, obviously, it's showing off, hey, we're still doing all the different effects of Psychosis, we're showing you the different otherworldly elements of this game, and this it looks gorgeous, it looks absolutely beautiful, and I'm so excited to see more, but I really wish we had gotten a little bit more action-heavy gameplay.
0: I'm just glad that as we're playing the trailer again for everyone, that we're out of the beginning part. I was actually having anxiety in the beginning of that trailer. Oh yeah, in, in the in the super claustrophobic space that she was in. Agreed. Destin, Hellblade Two, your thoughts? I really love that we got a demo of the psychosis voices again
3: uh, in Hellblade Two. I, I played the first one through twice, and I like really, really adored. I'm glad I did. Um, Highly recommend playing through the first one, especially as it'll set up this. But one of the things I do know about Hellblade 2 is that they've reworked the combat. And combat was one of the the weaker points. Well, it was, like, fine, but I would like to see how they evolve it with Hellblade 2. And I'm really, really hoping that they're able to do something unique or definitely improve at a bare minimum. But if they can really nail that aspect of it, well, they already have the storytelling and the psychosis, like hook sort of that kind of creeps you out the whole way Uh, I
4: can't wait to play Kat, did uh, Hellblade 2 do anything for you? I love the sound design it's really good and I think Destin was mentioning that playing that game with headphones is a remarkable experience. Yeah. Uh, I didn't feel like I learned too much about Hellblade 2 it's just another demo I I think it said 2024 it did. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. okay so I guess we're going to have to wait a while for a much
0: fuller reveal yeah, 20, 2023, sorry, Destin, I'll come back to you in a second. We now kind of do have a clearer picture of both 2023 and 2024. You know, we've got specifics. We've got October 10th for Forza Motorsport, of course, September 6th for uh, Starfield, unless you pay for the more expensive version then you can play it a few days early. Uh, but 2024, we, we now know we've got a couple of the first-party games slotted in there as well. So Destin, sorry, you were going to have another comment on Hellblade. Yeah, we have the extended showcase coming up, so maybe we see
3: some gameplay there. But I, I agree with you. Like, we've seen this type of demo uh, twice now. It, let's see what, like, a, a gameplay moment actually looks like. Like a, a fight of some
0: kind. Well, let's, uh, let's do one more game before we take another break. And that, uh, at, at the insistence of, of <laughs> Cat Bailey, I'm happy to defer to here, Metaphor.
4: Metaphor Re Fantasio which is by uh, one of the creators of Persona 5 and this game's been kind of missing in action for several years now. It was first announced as Project Re Fantasy in like 2016 so it just kind of appeared out of nowhere and this is kind of the sleeper of the show to me because Persona 5 has built a really big and impassioned audience. This and you could see a lot of it in this game. I mean, they really went extra with the user interface elements and everything. Uh, the artwork is fantastic. Yes. Uh, big Persona vibes, but in a different world. Um, it's. I thought it was going to be an action game, but it looks a little bit more like a turn-based game, actually. It does
0: like it, doesn't it?
4: Yeah, so we're all waiting for, for Persona 6, but uh, this has definitely grabbed my attention, and it's a different world. And... Uh, to me, it's the surprise of the
0: show. Stella, what do you think of this? I think it
1: looks interesting. It's very flashy. It has a lot of uh, different art that in it that's really interesting. But these types of games are not usually my pacing. So while I'm really happy for people who are into Persona, I'm like, man, I, I feel like I missed out on like really getting into that universe. And for me, again, I don't like turn-based combat. So that, that was a big thing for me. But I know that the stories of these games are really good, which is... Probably, well, probably watch a Cats playthrough of it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, we got some good variety in this Xbox showcase. Lots of games of many different genres. Well, in just a second, uh, we are going to sit down with the team behind Alan Wake 2. But first, a quick break. IGN Summer of Gaming will be right back.
2: When we last left Alan Wake, he was in a dark place. Here to shed some light on his next chapter, Alan Wake 2, our game director, Kyle Rowley, and principal narrative designer, Molly Maloney. Welcome to IGN Summer of Gaming. Thank you very much for having us. Hi. I think one of the main uh, sort of features this time around, two playable protagonists. Yes. What, what can you tell us about
7: that? Yeah, so obviously, um When we were thinking about making the concept for this game, uh, one of the things that we were quite aware of is that the first game did come out in 2010, so it's been like 13 years at this point. You know, we really wanted to make sure that we could create an experience that was uh, obviously great and familiar for people who love Alan Wake, who love Control, but also, you know, given a perspective for new players who would never kind of played played those games. Um, So that's kind of where like the idea of kind of creating a, a new playable character came from. On top of that, you know, at the end of the first game, Wake, you know, disappears, goes into a kind of very dark place. Uh, Oilers, wow. <laughs> <I don't, well>. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, we, we, we kind of wanted to make sure that we could still represent, you know, the Pacific Northwest, which we kind of consider a key part of the Alan Wake IP. We uh, really wanted to kind of, uh, you know, make sure that the, the forest, the primordial forest were represented. So, you know, it gives us a different perspective and, and, and kind of a, a different avenue to kind of get across some of the stuff which we think is important for, for this franchise.
8: They're both also two really unique characters. You know, Alan's going to have his own perspective being embroiled in this for the amount of time that he's been in it, Uh, whereas Saga is, I think, provides really valuable, fresh, new perspective. Um, She is a newcomer to the Bright Falls area, but she also sees things through the lens of being an FBI agent, and she has a special set of, a a unique set of skills. Mm -hmm. I'm hoping players are going to be really jazzed about that.
2: So what do we need to know about Saga, our new playable character?
8: Well, she is a newcomer to the uh, Bright Falls area. Uh, I think she offers a really interesting, pre- fresh perspective on this world. Uh, she is a seasoned FBI agent. She is known for cracking difficult cases. She is a profiler. Uh, she has an unorthodox kind of mind-place technique, which allows her to withdraw into her own mental space. I think that's a really interesting mechanic for the player that they're going to enjoy. You can actually do that at the press of a button and you flip between. Uh, and in that space, you can place your, cru- your clues and you can um, profile key suspects. So she's just got a lot of interesting layers to her, and I hope players really enjoy getting to know her. Was there any part of that
2: decision um, to sort of consider the players who didn't play the original game? Because she sort of represents them being, you know, not being as uh, familiar with the situation as Alan is.
8: Yeah, I definitely agree. She's a great, like, POV character for newcomers to the franchise. I think she's also a great POV character for people who are familiar with the franchise. I mean, it's been, like, 13 years, so it's nice to have fresh perspective. But also, she's a very fantastic foil for Alan. Mm-hmm. Um, like, one of our core themes in this game is duality. Um, you know, two worlds, um, what is true versus what is false, and two characters really plays into that, two perspectives.
2: And then how does it work? Uh, do the, Does each character have their own campaign that you
7: play through or are you able to switch back and forth? Yeah, it's important to note that we kind of create one story. It's not like we have uh, two playable com- campaigns. There's like one cohesive experience. You kind of start the game with Saga. Uh, you kind of learn about all the th- happenings that kind of took place in the original game, uh, investigating these ritualistic serial killings. Um, and then we end up playing as Alan and after that point, basically as a player, there's set points in the world where you can switch freely switch between those two characters so you can play like all of Alan's side of the story if you want to, uh, and then play Sagas, or you could play all of Sagas, or you could kind of mix and match and decide how you want to play yourself.
8: Both sides have a really unique tone to them as well, so it's kind of fun to allow players to have the freedom of choice. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know about you, but horror games stress me out a little bit, so bouncing between the two can be really useful. Um, Not to say that Saga's side is a walk in the park by any means, but they're just very different vibes.
2: Is that an interesting challenge from a narrative? design perspective? Yes,
8: I would say so. But I mean, it's a fun challenge, right? Like, that's what we, that's what we get up for. Um, we designed the story in a way where it very much had this in mind, uh, where we wanted the story to be non-linear. We wanted the story to be something that was a unique experience, just depending on what order you chose to play in. Um, but the way we achieved that was through a lot of iteration. Stand it up, play through it, see how it felt, try again. And I think it landed in a really nice place. I hope yeah, yeah. players agree.
2: <laughs> I believe you're describing this as full survival horror where mm. maybe the original was maybe a little more action-adventure. Yeah, yeah. What has changed this time around to make it more survival horror?
7: Yeah, I think that you know, when we were reflecting back on Alan Wake 1, um, you know, we created like a, I would say, a horror story but the kind of gameplay was more action-focused as you say and it created a bit of dissonance between kind of like those what we were trying to t- stay from a narrative perspective but then like what the player was actually experiencing. So one of the key reasons why we wanted to change the drone was to kind of bring those two parts of the experience together to create a more cohesive package. You know, it allows us to slow the gameplay down, um, we have like more time in the environments, so we can create, make them more claustrophobic. I think that, you know, a Remedy we kind of really like working on atmospheric games. Like, all, like a lot of our games are very atmospheric. And survival horror obviously is a large part of our experience is on the atmosphere. So yeah, we really wanted to kind of like make sure that those two, those two parts were working uh, well together. Yeah.
8: Yeah, I'd say like um, the previous game had a lot of wave-based combat and I think, you know, we've learned a lot in the last 13 years. It's important to be scared, but part of being scared is also uh, worrying about, it's not necessarily facing an enemy, it's the anticipation of facing an enemy. And so that was definitely a, a thought when we were going through design. As for
2: the combat, from what we've seen, it looks like it's it'll be similar or, or it'll feel familiar. Yeah,
7: yeah. We're using light to weaken your enemies and then you can get your shots off. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, you know, I think that the concept of fight with light, which was kind of like a key USP of the first game, is important for the franchise. We wanted to maintain that. I think the only... Difference or the biggest difference here is that we kind of changed the pillar from fight with light to survive with light mm-hmm. so it's not just about like how you can use light offensively we also have uh, what we call safe havens which are kind of like pillars of light which you can run into uh, enemies will kind of lose their, their kind of awareness of you so you can kind of use it as a respite and then obviously we want to make sure that we are utilizing light in other ways so we have obviously consumable objects like flares and uh, flashbangs and, and, and other items like that um, so yeah kind of building on top of what we learned in the first game um, I think one of the key things for us is that we wanted to make sure that pacing wise we were not just throwing loads and loads and loads of enemies at you Mm. we we wanted them to make them feel more meaningful uh, make the combat feel more desperate uh, make it more physical you know we have a cool destruction tech from control which we're utilising a lot so
8: But also, like, strategy is so important, too, and I think Survive with Light speaks to that, where it's like the way that the Havens work, you know, um, they they are are a resource, and there are a lot of resources in the game that I think players are going to enjoy using. Mm
2: -hmm. Now, Remedy is uh, well-known for um, having cinematic influences behind the games. Is there a movie or two you would uh, recommend people watch in anticipation of
8: Alan (laughs) Wake 2? Oh, (laughs) Homework.
7: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, I I don't know, I feel like... um, at least for me personally you know obviously in the first game we have a lot of like influences from uh, david lynch so i think that that stuff is still present we still have that kind of small town americana vibes quirky characters um but then like layered on top of that we wanted to kind of uh bring in this kind of fbi angle so you know we were looking at a lot of things like true detective um you know fargo like those kind of kind of those kind of pieces of of media um, and then from a horror perspective, like at least for me personally, I'm very much into kind of, you know, uh, Hereditary and Midsummer. you know, more on the like when we think about horror, we're kind of thinking about it from like a drama perspective on the narrative side as well. Like, how can we create interesting horror, not just through scares and kind of atmosphere, but also like on the story level, like how could we do that? And that, that, I think like Ari Aster and some of the new modern horror directors very much like are, are kind of nailing that right now.
2: Well, we're excited to finally get to continue Alan Wake's story. Thank you so much for stopping by IGN. Alan Wake 2 is out October 17th. For more hot looks at upcoming games, stay tuned to Summer of Gaming here on IGN.
0: Alan Wake 2. Welcome back. This is IGN Summer of Gaming, and we're unpacking everything Xbox just revealed in their summer showcase. Destin, Cyberpunk 2077, Phantom Liberty. Yeah. There seems to be a lot going on with this. Like, it's it's definitely an expansion pack. This is not, like, a simple, you know, small DLC. You got to see quite a bit of this. Uh, in the last couple days. Yeah,
3: so they had something on the show floor that was quite short, and then they yeah. were allowing us to play about an hour and a half Wow, worth of the content. So I wanted to experience the, the main storyline that they were showing today, and uh, that was probably about an hour and 15 minutes of what I played, just what they brought from the storyline. There were a lot of jumps in it so that you could get through it faster and everything. And they said you barely scratched the surface of what to
5: expect there.
3: So I got to see Idris Elba in action, interact with the president character, hear from Songbird. And when it starts out, basically, the president has crashed. And you have to go and save her because Songbird has contacted you and sent you sort of on the path. And then Johnny Silverhand is back. You know, we saw Keanu today during the Xbox showcase. And he's sort of giving his two cents about signing on with the, the president of the new United States, right? Uh, United, whatever they call it in cyberpunk. It was really, really intriguing. And my favorite part was cyberpunk, yes, you can do these crazy builds where you hack everything. And there's some stuff I'll talk about in just a second. But storytelling wise, there's a lot more to dive into. There's the whole Idris Elba storyline, there's the stuff with the president, and you don't really know if you can trust them or not. At one point they ask you if you want to take an oath and you can turn them down. So in this trailer that I think we're airing right now, they're actually saying the oath at some point. But when they ask you about this coin, whether or not you want to take it, you can turn them down. And Johnny Silverhand, of course, tells you a little bit of background about his experience with things like that. I don't want to spoil anybody, but yeah. Uh, So storytelling-wise, amazing. And there's a ton more gigs too. So it's not just the main story quest, there's story beats on a gig, uh, on many gigs. And one of the ones I went on, I went to see a ripper doc or save a ripper doc. And what I didn't realize is when I came into this situation where he's arguing with somebody and she shoots him, I'm like, well, I have to save that guy to stop the mission. So I shoot the attacker. Yeah. Turns out she was mad because he was doing human experiments on her little brother. And he was like dead and like, like all mangled from his experiments and then he's like rude to you so when I play for real he's dead (laughs) that guy's not surviving and uh, that's just like one gig that I was able to complete during the session because it happened to be close near the end of my time and I cannot wait to see what else they have
0: storytelling wise. Stella as if we didn't have enough to play in September specifically September Uh, this is September 26th yes for cyberpunk Phantom Liberty, uh, are you going to re-roll a new character? I mean, it sounds no. like there's a lot to dig into here.
1: Yeah, so I'm actually, uh, I, I re, all my saves got wiped. So I started from the beginning after all the updates went through, and yeah. it's been great. Like, the only bugs that are remaining are the really funny ones, right? So I'm like, okay, this is fun. So I'm, I'm actually having a good time with it. Obviously, I got distracted with all the, all the new games that have already come out. But this does make me want to go back in and try to finish the story because um, there are some things that obviously lead to for people who've played and for people who haven't played, this kind of touches on some very important story beats that you do want to get to in the base game. So for me, it's nice because it seems like the game is a little bit more complete. Yeah. I'm trying really hard not to spoil things, so <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm doing, yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, Kat, as our one of our resident RPG super fans and RPG gurus, are you going back to Night City this fall?
4: Yeah i mean one of the rp one of the memes in the community is cyberpunk 2077 is too busted you can't fix it with an expansion but it sure seems like cd project is doing their darndest because there's practically everything about this game from a mechanical standpoint feels like it's being uh, overhauled including adding things like cyberpsychosis and things like that sounds pretty cool i uh have it on my pc i didn't get a chance to finish the original game i'm and uh, CD Project has a great track record with expansions going back to the Witcher That's 3. That's true. So I wanna see what they do with this one.
3: I, I'm the opposite of y'all. I know life cyberpunk. There's like so- I did every oh single God, thing on the map yeah. and yeah. completed every single story beat they had to offer. And I was left with the ones where it was just like go there and kill people. So I didn't I didn't finish all those those stuff. missions. But uh, Yeah, I got every achievement that I could. There were a few that were bugged for me. Mm -hmm. But I I love this game. And for me, seeing those story elements being back, I'm just super excited to dive back in. It puts you at the point, right before you go talk to Hanako, people who have gotten that far will know what I'm referencing. So you can choose to play through this. Idris, Alba. I apologize. Idris?
0: No, Idris. It's right there. We have a handy pronunciation. I don't don't know
3: what I said before, but I'm, I'm bad with that. And I apologize. Um... But there's other stuff too, so like, if you're into the mechanics of Cyberpunk, you can actually access the new Relic system, which allows you to power up like your hand cannons, your gorilla arms, and now they're even more powerful than they were before. So now instead of shooting like one rocket out of your hand cannon, it shoots a volley of rockets. Your uh, whip ability, you can whip somebody and instantly apply a quick hack to them when you hit them with that whip, and just seeing those things in action, like, there, there's that that you can dive into. There's airdrops where you can go and fight all the other people who are there trying to take the airdrop and then get coveted loot from doing those.
0: There, there is clearly the, the time spent on this on this expansion pack. They have not been messing around. There's no. a lot, a lot in this. And, uh, and the area of Dogtown also is quite massive where you can explore. I want to make sure we've got a couple minutes uh, before we need another break. I got to bring up another, one of the first party studios that we hadn't heard from at all since they're acquired. I, in fact, to my knowledge, might have been the only one that they've acquired in these last five or so years that we hadn't heard from. We finally have. It is the makers of We Happy Few Compulsion Games, their new game, was the what second thing I believe was that the, that was the second thing we saw today mm-hmm. and that is the oh, cinematic trailer for south of midnight mm-hmm. which Stella immediately at least gets your attention with oh, with a yeah. you know the, the sort of almost like Kinda stop motion animation it and the is. unique art style. Yeah, tell I mean, me your reaction. Listen, to this.
1: I just, I just watched Across the Spider Verse, so anything that has unique art style, I'm just like, give me more of that. But also, the music in this was really good, and I love any sort of dark undertoned game with that sort of story. So I'm very interested. Also, it's really, it was really cool the way they revealed Compulsion Games and like the shack, and it's you yeah, have no idea what's going on. This guy who's playing the guitar, he has cool like jewelry. And, and he's huge. Yeah, it's really interesting. It was so funny that this followed after Fable, where we saw a giant, right? Yeah, and I was that's making like, a comparison in my You're head. Like, are, we all, like, oh, are we wow. already the game
0: here? Is this? Yeah, and it's it's so <laughs>
1: gross looking, but like so intriguing. I don't know. I'm I'm very interested in seeing the gameplay
0: for this. Well, Destin, uh, speaking of gameplay, obviously we we don't know what kind of game this is yet. Cool that- reveal, yeah. but we still don't know quite what we're getting in engine, but sort of Shit.
3: suffering from the same problem Hellblade is suffering from. We want to see gameplay. Wow of these titles, right? So it's great that they're not giving us full CG trailers, that's perfect, but what will I be doing in these worlds for all of the time that I'm going to be spending with them, right? I don't. I think this is more of a proof of concept, but I love that they're doing in-engine, Yeah. because a lot of people were really critical during the PlayStation showcase about it being too much CG and not really, like I don't know what Fair Games is, so I think that studio could have done a better job of explaining what that property could be, and and I I think South of Midnight, while I'm intrigued, also I don't know what this game is.
0: Kat, any any guesses of what kind of game this is, what genre this is, based on what we've seen from Compulsion before?
4: Action-adventure game, I suppose? Something somewhat similar to We Happy Few, which I might add, did not review particularly well when it yeah, I, came out. Yeah,
0: I, I love the concept. It, it yeah. felt a little bare bones to me, would be my my criticism of, of We Happy Few. Like, beautiful world, like it had a, it was extremely unique, but it was just kind of a little, a little hollow, I guess. I love the art style. Uh, yeah.
4: I mean, it grabs your attention, but I definitely need to see a lot more with this one.
0: But at least now the cat's out of the bag. We know the name of the thing and a little uh, tone piece for what Compulsion's working on. Uh, I, I'm this. I'm gonna little host privilege right now. That is the guy that's driving the bus. I am a lifelong, practically lifelong Monkey Island fan, oh. and so I, I, I actually died and came back to life <laughs> during the course of that because we got, uh, we got the final Monkey Island game from Ron Gilbert. Which was just—it was brilliant. I gave it a nine for IGN. Uh, that was, you know, back to the classic point-and-click adventure game last year, and I thought, okay, I've—I've I've had a great goodbye with Monkey Island. It, I'm happy it's done. And then uh, we had one of our our uh, editors from the UK, Simon Carty, here with us, and he was sitting with us during the showcase, and we're both—we were both like. That sounds like Monkey Island music. It's <laughs> the Sea of Thieves, but like that kind of sounds like Monkey Island. That kind of looks like Monkey Island, and then it's Monkey Island. Uh, this is... I never in a ma- million bajillion years would have ever expected this crossover because, quite frankly, I just kind of feel like Monkey Island is... Something that only us old guys know or even care about. So I love that now a new generation, there are millions of people playing Sea of Thieves, are going to get exposed to Monkey Island, and they might, they're might they hopefully going to fall in love with it if Rare does their jobs properly, as they've been doing a great job over the last several years with Sea of Thieves. They got all the voice actors from Monkey Island. Uh, let me see. I think I have the, the description of this here somewhere for you that I can read, here we go, that I can read you a little bit of. This was actually, I'll just go skip straight to the part that I thought was most interesting, because uh, Sea of Thieves, of course, is a, a shared world experience. You adventure with friends. But Monkey Island, it's a single player point and, cl- point and click adventure game so you'll get to freely exp- uh, you'll visit freely explorable versions of both melee I- island and monkey island solving puzzles in a point-and-click style adapted for sea of thieves first person view and it'll all take place in the sea of the dam so you'll have no interruptions from other players as you relive the iconic series in a brand new way so am i reading that correctly destin and that this is like a single-player game Inside of Sea of Thieves? I think that's great. I think that's going to bring a whole bunch of new
3: players into the Sea of Thieves universe. And if they continue to do things like that, uh, I, I think they're just going to continue to grow their player base from where it is today. I, I think that's wonderful news, personally.
0: Kat, uh, did, did you have any either history with the old Monkey Islands or any desire to dive into this?
4: I had a 46 back in the day and sea of, or sorry, Monkey Island was definitely one of the uh shall we say games that really stood out because of its beautiful pixel art yes. of course i have huge respect for the the old Lucasarts point and click adventure games i always liked indiana jones and the fate of Atlantis. yes yeah good, good shout game.
0: right there yeah
4: but as uh I, i'm happy to see that monkey island is still going uh that's an interesting note about this potentially being a single-player adventure because i mean of course sea of thieves has been around for a while um it's been more successful than I could have ever imagined based on how I originally saw it. And I'm wondering if this is just, maybe this is their way to get more people in and everything. Um, And if that's the case, it's an interesting approach.
0: Yeah, I mean, we've been waiting, uh, or excuse me, I should say Rare has been just chipping away at Sea of Thieves for years to, it's it shipped. It's fair to say it shipped as a very, if you'll pardon the expression, given that there's skeletons everywhere. It, it was a very bare bones game when it launched, but the core of it was always amazing. It's still one of my favorite E3. Destin, you were there. Yeah, uh, we played cool. we played this the first time ever together, mm-hmm. and it, they had it set up just as a ship to ship battle, and we had such a blast with it. Uh, and now to see how far it's come. I mean, the, there was the Pirates of the Caribbean yeah. expansion, which which was huge as well. Uh, and I just, yeah, I, I'm, I would never have expected this. Whoever's responsible for this, I'm looking into the, I'm saying thank you right now to whoever at Lucasfilm, Disney, and then of course at Microsoft and Rare to see a Thieves team. Awesome stuff. All right. Well, we've got to take a break. When we come back, we will reveal our games of the show and our grades for the showcase. Stick around because IGN Summer of Gaming continues after this. Welcome back. We've got a few more things to discuss today from that massive Xbox showcase and of course the Starfield Direct that followed. Let's do it, let's pick our games of the show. There's plenty to choose from. There was, again, I read you the my Twitter feed poll. A lot of the Xbox fans who uh, follow me, follow IGN, were really happy with, with what they saw today. What made you guys the happiest? I'm just gonna go start at the end of the table and work my way back. Cat. Obviously, Persona 3 Reload, no,
6: just kidding.
4: <laughs> I am really happy that Persona 3 Reload is happening. It's been a long time coming. I'm disappointed that it won't have the FES content or Persona 3's Portables' female protagonist, but it's really great to see that on modern consoles in a way that's a lot more playable than the release that we just saw. Destin,
3: the yeah. game of the show today. Uh, a friend of mine on Twitter said, what if No Man's Sky had a trillion dollars? <laughs> and that is, you know, Starfield, people are very impressed. I'm very impressed with Fable. Very excited about what they had on display there. Uh, From a game engine standpoint, getting to see what Playground has managed to accomplish with their take on this beloved franchise has me tremendously excited about the gameplay experience that we're going to get. Those scenes, in the field where you're fighting people, where you're just walking and looking out at the field and the light rays are coming through and it's like a beautiful sunset. I I like those. And the humor that is sprinkled throughout the game, like, it's just hitting every right note for me. Like, it's just enough that fable humor and just enough of a graphical showcase to really wow me. And that's why it gets my nod. Strong call. Stella, you're up.
1: Yeah, I'd say Clockwork Revolution. That was the one thing that really stood out to me. I spoke about how I really love that sort of art style, that sort of setting, especially steampunk. So for me, that was definitely my game of the showcase and i love things where you can manipulate time you can manipulate the physical space around you and yeah we keep getting looks at this trailer and i'm just like yeah i love that world where everything's a little bit grungy but also a little bit technologically forward yeah. and i love that about steampunk so much
0: it's lived in right yeah you feel like yeah the the smokestacks from you know the industrial plants the steam off that
1: mm-hmm. i can smell the popcorn in the streets you know yeah <laughs> yes. it, it's that vibe
0: yes oh strong call on that uh, cuz yeah i wasn't sure we were going to see anything from In Exile yeah. today so yeah what a what a great unveiling and strong pick i'm going to cheat and i i just can't pick between two it's two you've already you look destin's nodding his head how I dare saw on the you run sir of show. How, how dare how you dare sir you? i'm doing it cuz that's <laughs> nobody's going to stop me that's just how it is <laughs> it's a tie between starfield and fable for me i mean okay. uh starfield like uh, Kat, i think you said it extremely well you said it perfectly the direct answered every question that you had about the game, uh, and for me getting to experience a little taste of it, it just—it's—it's it, going to be both uh, a slow burn, but also it incredibly deep. Like there's nothing, it just doesn't seem like there's any piece of Starfield that's shallow. All right, well it looks like we are just about running out of time. Stay tuned, however, because uh, next up, we have the PC Gaming Show. And later today, we're getting a look at the Final Fantasy 16 showcase and uh, the Xbox Extended Showcase is happening on Tuesday. And jump on IGN.com a little later this afternoon for my full interview with Todd Howard, so don't miss that. Uh, But we've also got Tomorrow is new reveals from Ubisoft and Capcom, as well as more Summer of Gaming pre- and post-show coverage. If you want to hear more from us, you can catch a new episode of Podcast Unlocked every week on IGN, typically Wednesdays on the IGN YouTube or your favorite podcast platform. On that note, a big thank you to everybody working behind the scenes to make this super smooth and awesome and make a great show for you. And to all of you watching at home, we'll see you next time.